to the Your Business Greatness webinar. I'm your host, Simone Sloan. So glad that you're able to join us today, especially during this time. We're going to be talking about scaling your business with the right tools and skills. And I'm very excited because especially during this time, as we have time to reflect on our business, right? It's great to look at your scaling strategy and how does that relate to your overall business strategy. And when you're thinking about strategy, you're not only thinking about the scaling piece of strategy, but also execution, team, and cash flow. We have a wonderful presenter today, Elizabeth Heiss, and she is going to be talking about a scaling strategy as it pertains to getting clear and focused on your core value propositions, evaluating and the ability to deliver value, and how do you leverage new talent strategies to flex and extend the execution as you scale. But let me go ahead and um, tell you about Elizabeth. She's a well-known speaker on entrepreneurial growth and sought-after expert on the future of work, business performance and culture, on-demand talent and virtual staff trends, as well as a leadership transformation from intrapreneur to entrepreneur. She has a track record of progressive accomplishments in the C-suite, encompassing roles and operations, business expansion, turnarounds, merger and acquisitions, as well as leveraging technology to build business value. Please let us all welcome Elizabeth Ice. Hi, Simone, and hello, everybody. I'm just delighted to be here today and uh, really pleased to uh, be joining your, your sessions with Simone and talking about hopefully some new ideas to scale your business. So um, as Simone mentioned, we're really going to be talking about um, three things. What you do kind of in, 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 in a general way, so what is the core value proposition that, that you offer your clients, how you do it, meaning how do you deliver that value to them, and then how do you think differently about delivering that value, especially in terms of scaling and especially in today's times with the coronavirus and social distancing and, and, and really so much of the world moving online, it, it opens up some brand new ideas. And for some people, those are uncomfortable transitions. And for others, you know, that have been um, more virtual businesses, it's kind of an extension of what you already do. But I think it, as Simone said, it's a really an opportunity to step back and reflect a little bit about your business and, and how you can serve your constituency in the best possible way. So we're going to kind of talk about those these three areas um, during the talk today. And uh, what I love about what Simone does is she really focuses on balancing these four key things, strategy, your ability to execute the strategy, and then I talk about team, but I, I personally think about team very broadly. It, it certainly includes people, but it also includes process, and it includes technology. Those are all ways to get work done, and it's integrating those things in your business strategy and thinking about how it will help you execute your business that are very important. And then cash flow is key, uh, because you obviously need the cash you know, for your business to, um, to move forward, but thinking differently about talent strategy in terms of um, people process and technology really can have a, a, a freeing effect on your cash flow. And that's really why I picked the picture that I did on this slide is the goal, you know, is really to get your business in motion so it is executing and you're growing, but it, it, there's also 
an element of freedom to it that, that your people process and tools uh, enable you to accomplish while still delivering that value. So to me, when, when I think about most businesses and particularly entrepreneurs and solopreneurs is you're trying to scale your business, but there's real competing priorities. You know, the goal is to work on your business, not in the business, but I don't know how many times I've talked to business owners who say they're, they get dragged down into, into the weeds and it's hard to get out. And, and actually as difficult as these times are, it is forcing people to take some time to think about their business and how can they pivot their business. And it allows them to work on their business, which is a positive. Um, also, you want to really do more work that you enjoy, not the stuff that needs to be done. And you want to grow your business without wearing yourself out. Uh, you know, 14, 12, 14, 14 hour days are very tiring and you need to fi figure out a way to grow it without killing yourself. And to me, um, one of my most favorite uh, business minds is Peter Drucker. And he said this literally 60 years ago, do what you do best and outsource the rest. And that's something that has always stood with me as, as, a, as a key principle when you're thinking about um, how you're executing your business. Do what you do best and outsource the rest. And that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today. Um, because hopefully you've got a great business value proposition and there's demand for your product and service and that continues to grow. But what you end up having as an issue is how do you continue to supply that, to, to meet that demand and to, and to provide value the, the way you're, you want to provide that value. And so to me the key is figuring out what are your levers to scale profitably and scaling really is all about operations and it's being able to scale your ability to deliver your value to your clients and to me the thing that happens first is you really need to plan your scaling strategy it's not, it, you'll be able to grow but it'll be haphazard unless you really think about three key things process tools and people and I specifically list them in that order because you know what it is you do to deliver value to the client. But the next thing, if you really want to scale, is to think about the process of how you deliver it. And that's certainly coming to the forefront in today's time as things you didn't think about. Now you have to think about how do I deliver, what's my process to deliver my value over the Internet. So it's, help, it's making people rethink what is their process and start to define it, write it down. And those are really actually very good disciplines because you need to know what your process is if you're going to pick the right tools, whether that's a CRM system or a collaboration tool, you know, email marketing, um, the social media outlets that you might use. I mean, those are all technology-enabled tools, and they work better if you have a defined process because you can slide those tools in. And um, once you have process and tools, then it becomes pretty easy to fit the people in and you'll know which people you need because process and tools are, are established so people will know what to do and have the tools to do it and then you'll have you won't have the need for all people because some of the things you will have um, fulfilled other ways through good process and tools and so to me supplying building your ability to deliver supply is operations and operations is that combination of having good processes good tools and the right people and, and that's all part of your scaling strategy and the one thing I want to point out in particular is what I call considering opportunity cost 
put a dollar value on the time you spend doing things. Because that's one of the things, particularly solopreneurs and entrepreneurs tend to forget, particularly in this so-called do-it-yourself world, you, technology is on our phones. You know, it's, it's, we get marketing materials all the time about the latest tool to do this or to do, tool to do that, but you really need to think about how much time you spend trying to do things yourself because there may be alternatives, um, whether it's process, tools, or people. So you're going to hear me remind you of that a lot and really to not just think about the time you're, you, that you're spending, but truly put a dollar value on it. So if you spend five hours on something, you know that it just cost you, you know, in terms of opportunity or time you could have spent growing your business in other ways by doing something to working in the business as opposed to on the business. And so if you're going to scale operations, thinking about uh, process, tools, and people, and those are the foundation, you know, if you look at the triangle for when you bring in people, really, to me, these are the things that are, are required. And not that you necessarily have all these skills yourself, but there are people that can help you do these things. You need to be resourceful. And, and I think that that means thinking broadly about resources, whether it's process, tools, or people, and how do you bring that all together. Then, then there's clearly a skill in building process and tools. I happen to love to do that kind of stuff, which is why I was able to build a technology system like results resourcing. But not everybody, that's not their thing. And so if it's not your thing, you need to find some people that will help you do that or find process and tools that will help you do that. Because the more you can systemize and automate your business, the more you can grow it and scale it uh, with a variable cost as opposed to um, you know, having your fixed costs rise, you know, as you grow, which obviously is not the best um, from a cash flow standpoint. And then lastly, leadership. And, and I call this one out because it's one thing to get process, peoples, and tools, but you need to inspire people to use those processes, lead by example to use the tools. And then particularly if you have people that have people under them, they're managing people, process, or tools, you know, they need to Drink the Kool-Aid and, and uh, you know, lead your business forward the way you want it to be led. So, you know, it is people process tools, but then applying resourcefulness, you know, building the process and tools and getting the help if that's not your thing, and then really being the leader to help everybody on your team, you know, harness those resources to deliver value to your clients. So to me, I, I think about talent strategy um, as a starter, as as a talent ecosystem. And really, if you think about your business as you in the center, you're probably already doing this to some degree. You've obviously, you know, worked with Simone, which she's an expert in helping you think about scaling your business. But you probably have an attorney, you probably have a CPA. You know, those are all experts that you surround yourself with. And more and more, think about other expertise you can surround yourself with, whether it's employees, you know, or flexible talent that are, say, freelance, that really allow you to have a more agile business. And so to me, as the world of work has changed, we've moved more towards a talent access model than a talent acquisition model. Acquisition used to mean hiring staff, employees, W-2 employees. But increasingly, you don't need to do that. There, if you think about it, your attorney and your accountant, you know, you, you didn't 
those aren't necessarily members, permanent members of your team from an employee standpoint. They could, they're contract people. They're people that you outsource work to. And the same can be said for many, many other kinds of um, expertise, uh, whether it's social media, marketing, administration, those are all talents that you can surround yourself with experts that you aren't necessarily hiring as employees and taking on that, that enormous a significant burden and responsibility. So again, when you're thinking about your talent strategy and your talent ecosystem, put a dollar value on your time and think about, think about experts that you could bring into your ecosystem that could do work for you and be more expert perhaps at some kinds of work um, to really add value to your team. So I happen to be a real fan of freelancers and, and I learned um, you know, through several uh, companies that I worked with and worked for, as well as my own, really the benefits of hiring freelancers. And they really revolve around three things. They're highly available, they're flexible, and they have a, a high level of skill. Of course, the key is always finding the right ones, but generally speaking, they bring these three key things to the table, which increases your business uh, agility. And to me, these are kind of the key ways you can bring freelance workers, contract workers, into your talent ecosystem. First of all, they let you scale up or down. You can hire people for exactly the amount of time you can afford or need every single week. You don't have to enter into a 40-hour work week kind of arrangement. And you really have no obligation, you know, other than common courtesy, uh, to those freelancers. They're freelance too. They have a portfolio of clients and they're used to clients scaling up and down based on needs. So there's a lot of flexibility in that. You can also offload, offload non-core work. So if your core value proposition is the delivering coaching services, then there's probably things that are not core, like administrative work, for example. So think about the stuff that isn't essential to delivering your value and, and how could you either delegate if you have employees or outsource if you don't have employees or employees in a particular area to freelancers that could do that work for you. And also adding high caliber skills. The freelancers will do that work for you with a very high level of skill and you're paying for them on a fractional basis only when you need them. So you can get a tremendous amount of value cost effectively. They're also very results oriented. Most freelancers today, if they have a side hustle, meaning they have a full-time job and they're doing something on the side, they're, they're generally people that love to do whatever they do on the side. So there's a highly motivated, highly results-oriented, you know, in that side hustle. But many, many freelancers, frankly, are small businesses themselves. They're LLCs and they have the same concept of talent um, ecosystem that I'm talking about today. And they're business owners, so they're very bottom line oriented. And they're, they don't think like pay, a paycheck. They really think about delivering value, and that's something that you can harness to add to the value that you deliver to your, your clients, whether it's trying out new ideas, work with somebody that's done it before, maybe in another industry, and, and applying it to yours. So rather than recreating the wheel, you can find freelancers that can help you try out ideas and see if they'll be successful or how you want to modify those ideas for whatever your business is all about. So it allows you to build value, differentiate your business in a very flexible way. But at the end of the day, it really helps you take finite financial resources and stretch them by getting top grade talent to deliver value without 
using the capital that you need to use if you were really trying to hire a team of people and keep them engaged. And so again, that, um, that caveat, when you're thinking about core versus non-core work, think about the opportunity cost of doing non-core things that are really not going to drive the needle for your business. Put a value on your time. And so this is an exercise that I've um, put together that I would love to have you do after the, the workshop and, and, uh, and work with Simone on it because I think you can brainstorm um, the results of this survey. But first of all, if you, if you absolutely had to put a dollar value on each hour you worked, whether it's $25, $150, whatever it might be, ideally what would you charge, forgetting about the market, um, for the hour, how valuable is your time? And then after you do that and put it down on, on paper, you know, so it's just not something in your head, but you, you actually wrote it down. And then the second would be to what are three tasks that you perform every week? One that you don't really like to do, and every one of us does stuff we don't really love to do, or that someone else could do better because they do love to do whatever that task is. It really lights them up. When, where I consider something drudge work, somebody else says, oh, I would love to go do that for you. And, and how exciting is it to work with somebody that loves to do what you don't love to do? And then is there some action or skill that would really enable your business to leap forward? And, but it might not be your zone as genius. And probably one of the ones I, that's most common to all the small and mid-sized businesses we work with is digital marketing. You know, it's, it's a very complex area and it require, requires a great deal of skill, whether you're going to do ads or what, you know, how you want to post your information, whatever it might be. It's highly skilled and it, you have to know how to work the, the algorithms and even though it's so easy to boost your post or to, you know, for $25 do ads, it may not be a good use of money, even though it's not very much money because it isn't being well applied. And it's really important to understand, using that as an example, where are your strengths and where are your weaknesses in finding people to, to bring in to be those geniuses to help you um, strengthen those, those weaker areas. And so with that, that's just kind of a summary of some of the key things that, that I think are really relevant these days and time, um, particularly as we move to a more virtual world and how you can actually expand what you do by, by leveraging virtual talent and thinking about what you do that's core to your business and what is not core to your business and what are ways to get that work done so you can scale the value you deliver to your clients. Thank you so much. I'd like to Great. thank you so much, Elizabeth, for um, sharing your knowledge um, today and really looking at different ways in which to think about scaling the business and really focusing on the people part, if you will. I'm going to open it up to the room to see if they have any questions, and you can definitely go to the chat uh, box. It looks like a little cloud on your dashboard um, to ask questions of Elizabeth. But while they're formulating, I did have a question. The clients, some of the clients that I've worked with, right, they are trying to figure out um, when to bring someone in. They know they need more help. But when is the right time to, to, to figure out that this is a time to delegate? And I'm just curious. Um, well, I would say, uh, I would respond to that a couple of different ways. Is one, it's not, if you, if, you, if you have process and tools defined, it's not as big a decision as you think. 
because it's especially with freelancers, you're not trying to hire a full-time employee, which comes with a, a lot of very serious responsibilities. You can engage somebody quickly and easily, you know, and experiment. You know, so I, I would encourage people to be a little bit more experimental. I mean, the key is finding the right people that you know um, that you can trust that you know, are going to help support you in a way that feels good to your business and will feel good to your clients. But I think there's a way to be a, a, a little more experimental, especially you know working um, with you, Simone, because you know two heads is better than one sometimes to be thinking Absolutely. about these things. But to me, it starts with um, defining what's core to your business and what's not. And you know, it's 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 easy if you pick something like a law practice. I mean, practicing law is core to the business, but um, managing a newsletter is probably not. And you know, yes, there are some requirements that lawyers have to um, adhere to in in publishing a newsletter. But there's tons of freelancers, for example, that that have been paralegals or have worked in law offices before, and they know how to prepare a newsletter for an attorney. So I've chosen a, a very neutral example because every, every business is different. But what I've really encouraged um, a lot of uh, clients that come to us for, for talent strategy is to start with listing what are all the things that are core to your business? And then what are all the other things you have to do to support your business? And if you just have two columns and you give yourself 10 minutes, you're gonna have a great starter list to start thinking about what's core and what's not core and really taking that non-core business that's where to start you know in terms of whether delegating it to people that you have a, you know as employees or finding freelancers that can do it and the only other thing i would add is like when you look at the core stuff is there core stuff that you really don't like to do even though you might really enjoy serving your clients however you do cuz that might be right for outsourcing as well even though it's core but sometimes if something is truly core to your business, you really should be hiring an employee as opposed to a freelancer, you know, whether it's intellectual property or confidentiality or things like that, you know, sometimes core work really should be an employee versus a, uh, a freelancer. Absolutely. And I love what you talked about in terms of talent access model, right? Because really what it looks like in terms of, one, identifying what you want, what's the core of your business and really getting clear around that and then figuring out what are the skill sets that I need, right? But then it also talks about, too, how are you leading your business? Because one thing you mentioned, working in it versus on it. And that kind of helps open access to look at, okay, what is the value of my time? What are the tools that I need and the people? Can you speak a little bit more about that in terms of what you see in, in that space? Well, I think that um, one, of the, one of the biggest mistakes that, that we see is that, you know, again, in this do-it-yourself world, there are so many tools at your fingertips, people begging you to press a button to go do this or go do that. And, and you know, there's always a downstream effect, you know, of, of pushing a button to do this or that. And I, it kind of goes back to strategy and, and figuring out what is, what is the best use of your time so you're focused on your core business and not on the things that are tempting but distracting. And so um, we're, we happen to be building a, a tool right now that's it's, it's about finding freelancers, you know, how do you find the best freelancers? 
And there's plenty of places to go, really great sources, whether it's LinkedIn or ZipRecruiter or Upwork or, um, there, you know, there's plenty of places where, where talented freelancers market their services. Um, to us, the key is, um, do you want to spend your time searching? I mean, if you put the, you know, graphic design into any one of these job platforms, you're going to see a thousand profiles. How do you pick those people? And, you know, so that's, some, that's the problem we chose to solve is, is, is hand curating that talent um, for people so they get freelancers that are really going to be qualified to do what they want. And so that, I'm again, using that as an example, um, think about the time you're going to spend doing something when you may not be expert at it. And that's probably a prime area to say, hey, Simone, is there a better way to do this? Or let's put our heads together on how to do this differently. Sure. And I think another question that came out was around when starting, starting out, right, first starting out. Do you charge the amount you believe you are worth for, the, for, the, for your time, or do you begin at a more practical number that you think more clients can afford? Well, I think that's a, that's a really great question and one that, you know, people wrestle with all the time. And I think there's a couple of ways um, to do it. I mean, and, and in fact, in these days and times in particular, you know, I've heard strategies around, you know, pay what you can afford kind of thing, to, you know, to, because if you think about, if you get up every day and you think about, you know, who am I called to serve and, and what do they need from me, you know, these aren't necessarily the right times to be maximizing, you know, your, your, your pricing or something like that. But people are going to remember the people that reached out and, and try to help them uh, navigate these really difficult times. So I think that some things, you know, might be different today than they might be, you know, in three months. But, you know, in normal times, I, I think about it a couple of ways. One option is to say, here's the value of, of what I can do for you, but because I'm, I'm going to offer this package that, you know, is a, a collection of things that, that, that if they buy a package or multiple sessions or something like that can be a more cost-effective solution, you know, or say, here's what it naturally costs, but if you're a first-time client, you know, I'm going to offer you a discount or something like that. So I think, I think there's ways to establish what the value is of your service while still giving somebody a break, you know, an introductory service. You know, or there's um, ways to do um, free consults, you know, that might get somebody familiar with what you do and, and where you get into a position of trust with them where they're ready to move forward. So um, I, I think it's hard to raise your price, um, even, even under the best of times. And so I think it's important to establish kind of what the value is of what you do. And, and frankly, from my the other thing I've mentioned, from my own experience with results resourcing, I'll tell you, most of our clients have no idea what something ought to cost. And so um, you're, you're probably agonizing over what to cost, what something should cost, when the client has no um, barometer for really appreciating that. And so one of the things that, that um, I think that underscores why I think maybe you need to help educate them on what the cost is and what value they get um, for the dollars they're going to spend, you know, as opposed to just the cost. What do they get from it? If you, if I invest, what's the return on my investment? If I invest $100 an hour, $200 an hour, whatever it might be, what is my return? And, 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 and how, how do you kind of assure them that they'll get that value? I think that 
can kind of lessen the pressure on getting the price right. So thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for your time and, and knowledge share today. We, I think we really appreciate I think one more question just came through. Hold on. Um, and so as a result of that, um, let's see here. Yeah, just wanted to say um, thank you so much for your time. And um, definitely um, thank you for all those who's, who came out to your Business Greatness webinar, given everything else that's going on. So love it. I do want to let you know that next month we're talking about marketing strategy and what to do during disruption and how to effectively market your products and services during this time. That will be on April 14th. So we look forward to seeing you same time um, at the Your Business Greatness webinar. Thank you, everyone, and have a great great day. Thank you so much. Bye.